Chapter 29 Enter Ahab to him, Stubb. Some days elapsed, and ice and icebergs all astern. The Pequod now went rolling through the bright Quinto Spring, which, at sea, almost perpetually rains on the threshold of the eternal August of the Tropic. The warmly cool, clear, ringing, perfumed, overflowing, redundant days were as crystal goblets of Persian sherbet, heaped up, flaked up with rose-water snow. The starred and stately knights seemed haughty dames in jeweled velvets, nursing at home in lonely pride, the memory of their absent conquering earls, the golden-helmeted sun. For sleeping man, t'was hard to choose between such winsome days and such seducing nights. But all the witcheries of that unwanting weather did not merely lend new spills and portencies to the outward world. Inward they were turned upon the soul, especially when the still mild hours of eve came on. Then memory shot her crystals as clear ice, most forms on noiseless twilights. And all these subtle agencies, more and more they wrought on Ahab's texture. Old age is always wakeful, as if, the longer linked with life, the less man has to do with aught that looks like death. Among sea commanders, the old greybeards will oftenest leave their berths to visit the night-cloaked deck. It was so with Ahab, only that now, of late, he seemed so much to live in the open air, that truly speaking, his visits were more to the cabin than from the cabin to the planks. It feels like going down into one's tomb." he would mutter to himself, for an old captain like me to be descending this narrow scuttle, to go to my grave-dug berth. So, almost every twenty-four hours, when the watches of the night were set, and the band on deck sentineled the slumbers of the band below, and when if a rope was to be hauled upon the forecastle, the sailors flung it not so rudely down as by day, but with some cautiousness dropped it into its place for fear of disturbing their slumbering shipmates, when this sort of steady quietude would begin to prevail habitually, the silent steersman would watch that cabin scuttle, and ere long the old man would emerge, gripping at the iron banister to help his crippled way. Some considerating touch of humanity was in him, for at times like these he usually abstained from patrolling the quarter-deck, because to his wearied mates seeking repose within six inches of his ivory heel— such would have been the reverberating crack and the din of that bonny step, that their dreams would have been the crunching teeth of sharks. But once, the mood was on him too deep for common regardings, and as with heavy slumber-like pace he was measuring the ship from taffrail to mainmast, Stubb, the second mate, came up from below, and with a certain unassured, depreciating humorlessness, hinted that if Captain Ahab was pleased to walk the planks, then no one could say nay but there might be some way of muffling the noise, hinting something indistinctly and hesitatingly about the globe of toe and the insertion into it of the ivory heel. Aye, Stubb, thou didst know Ahab then. Am I a cannonball, Stubb, said Ahab, that thou wouldst wad me in this fashion? But go thy ways, I had forgot. Below thy nightly grave, where such ye sleeps between shrouds, to use ye to the filing one at last, down dog and kennel. Starting at the unforeseen concluding examination of the so suddenly scornful old man, Stubb was speechless a moment, then said excitedly, I do not like to be spoken that way, sir, but I do less than half like it, sir. Avast, gritted Ahab between his set teeth, and violently moving away, as if to avoid some passionate temptation. 
No, sir, not yet, said Stubb, emboldened. I will not tamely be called a dog, sir. Then be called ten times a donkey, and a mule, and an ass, and be gone, or I'll clear the world of ye. As he said this, Ahab advanced upon him with such overbearing terrors in his aspect that Stubb involuntarily retreated. I was never served so before without giving a hard blow for it, muttered Stubb as he followed himself descending the cabin scuttle. It's very queer. Stop, Stubb. Somehow, now, I don't know well whether to go back and to strike him, or what's that? Down here on my knee and pray for him. Yes, that was the thought coming up in me. But it would be the first time I ever did pray. It's queer, very queer. He's very queer, too. I take him for aft. He's about the queerest old man Stubb ever sailed with. How he flashed at me, his eyes like powder pans. Is he mad? Anyway, there's something on his mind, as sure as there must be something on the deck when it cracks. He ain't in his bed now, either. More than three hours out of the twenty-four, he don't sleep then. Didn't that doughboy, the steward, tell me that of a morning he always finds the old man's hammock clothes as rumpled and tumbled, and the sheets down at the foot, and the cover lid almost tied into knots, and the pillow a sort of frightful hot, as though he baked brick and had been on it? A hot old man. I guess he's got what some folks ashore call a conscience. It's kind of a tick-dolly-row, they say. Worse nor a toothache. Well, I don't know what it is, but the Lord keep me from catching it. He's full of riddles. I wonder what he goes into after hold, for every night, as the doughboy tells me he suspects. What's that for? I should like to know. Who's made appointments with him in the hold? Ain't that queer now? But there's no telling it's an old game. He goes for a snooze. Damn me, it's worth a fellow's while to be born into the world, if only to fall right asleep. And now that I think of it, that's about the first thing babies do. And that's sort of queer, too. Damn me, but all the things are queer, come to think of them. But that's against my principles. Think not is my eleventh commandment, and sleep when you can, it's my twelfth. So here goes again, how about that? Didn't he call me a dog? Blazes, he called me ten times a donkey, and piled a lot of jackasses on top of that. He might as well have kicked me and done with it. Maybe he did kick me and I didn't observe it. I was so taken aback with his brow somehow. It flashed like a bleached bone. What the devil's matter with me? I don't stand right on my leg. Coming afoul of that old man sort of turned me wrong inside out. By the Lord, I must have been dreaming, though. How? 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 But the only way's to stash it. So here goes, to a hammock again in the morning. I'll see how this plaguey juggling thinks over by daylight. Thanks for listening to Moby Dick Pod. If you've liked what you've heard so far, consider subscribing or leaving us a rating on Apple Podcast. And as always, thanks for listening.